There are some questions in sewing that come up again and again and again and again and again, right? So um, there are some errors in sewing that also come up again and again and again and again and again. And over the years that I have taught sewing in person and online and through my books, um, there are three issues, like common sewing questions, that have come up so frequently that have incredibly simple solutions, but that people often don't, like you wouldn't know it unless somebody told you. And you don't know how to ask the question necessarily if you don't know the problem. Hi, I'm Deborah from Whipstitch, and on this episode of the Whipstitch podcast, I'm answering the three most frequent sewing machine questions I have ever been asked. Thanks for listening. I have two books that I've written. Um, One of them is called Stitch by Stitch. It was my first book. It was published in 2010, and it was based entirely on the classes that I taught in person. Um, Intro to sewing, intermediate sewing, um, and garment fitting. I wanted to create a book for people who really were starting from like square one and how to sew. And as I was writing, I really was in a lot of ways transcribing the things that I said month after month as I taught these four week sewing series. So one of the great gifts that my students gave me was that they would ask questions in class that a lot of people don't have anybody to ask those questions. And they would say, like, I mean, I feel really embarrassed. This is such a dumb question. And over and over, I was like, "Mm, not a dumb question. Obviously, if you're asking it, it can't be dumb because you need the answer and you don't know where else to get it. So those questions formed the basis for how I thought about writing the book. I wanted to write a book that remembered what it was like to not know how to sew. That was really important to me. And... A lot of that came out of the feedback I got from students in real life where they would say, like, my mom taught me how to sew, taught in quotation marks, right? Finger quotes. Um, I mean, that's a rough dynamic, right? I adore my mother. We are very close. And her teaching me how to sew, that was rough stuff, yo. (laughs) Just a lot of feelings involved. Um, because there's there's a relationship dynamic there. And, you know, or if you learn to sew in a home ec class in school, you're dealing with a whole class of other people who don't know how to sew, or you're dealing with maybe a teacher who's been doing this for 40 years and genuinely doesn't understand why you're not getting it. Um, I, when I was in college as an undergraduate, I have a theater degree, um, and I worked in the costume shop. Uh, and I took, everybody had to take this intro to costume construction class. Every theater undergrad major had to take this class. And so we were in there and I'd used a sewing machine before. But most of the people in that room, half of whom were men, didn't have any experience sewing. And I remember there was a guy named David um, who was a little older than the rest of us, not like a lot, a couple years, older than the rest of us and had been putting off taking this class for a super long time. Um, I remember two things about David super clearly. I remember that David did this thing. This is completely irrelevant to this story about sewing. But he, he threw his socks away. 
I've never met anybody who did this. He would buy six packs of socks and wear them until they were filthy. And then he would throw the pair of socks away and get another pair. I remember that about him. And I remember that we were working on this project. We did make a baby bonnet in this class, inexplicably. Um, Because we were all like 19. (laughs) We're making baby bonnets. Um, And we made this baby bonnet. And David said, like, he had some question about it. And I tried to explain, like, here's here's the answer to that question. And his face just like, oh, how do you know that? He's like, you do not need to be taking this class. And I, I said, I totally do, because what I've just told you is the only thing I really know. But I do remember that my answer wasn't about how to do something. It was about why. And it seemed really meaningful to him to have a why attached to the how. So when I went into writing Stitch by Stitch, I didn't just want to write a book that taught people how to do stuff. I wanted to remember what it was like to not know how to do it and then talk about the whys behind the hows for people like David. Long story long, my favorite format. Um, There are three issues with sewing machines, specifically. Not with sewing sewing, but with sewing machines. Three issues that come up again and again and again and again. um, That have really simple solutions. But if you don't understand the why behind it, it's hard, you would never figure it out on your own. So that's that's what this podcast episode is, is about. Um, thanks for hanging in for five minutes so that we could get to that. Number one, what is this giant ball of thread underneath my sewing? Okay, so you're sewing. You've got two pieces of fabric underneath your presser foot on the throat plate. You are stitching and stitching and stitching. And either the machine goes and it like kind of eats itself. And so you, you have to stop. Or you think that you are finished with your seam and you try to take it off the machine. And when you pull it out, it looks great on top. Stitch, stitch, stitch. It's so pretty. And then you turn it over and it looks like the machine threw up on the underside. There's just this ball of thread, massive ball of thread. Dude, y'all, this happens all the time. And it's a tension issue. But it's not a problem with your tension settings like you might think. Most likely what has happened, and I would say, when I say most likely, I mean like 99% of the time, your thread has jumped ship, uh, your top thread is no longer between the tension discs of your sewing machine. So as the machine is sewing and the bobbin thread is being looped around the top thread, and there are GIFs out there that you can look at if you want to see how how those stitches get made, and it's super cool, and that the, the needle carries the top thread down through the hole in the throat plate, and it picks up the bobbin thread and brings it to the top. The bobbin has its own tension mechanism in it. So it's being held somewhat taut as the upper thread pulls it through. The upper thread is being held somewhat taut by the tension mechanism that's on that arm that goes up and down, up and down, up and down, right? So as you thread the machine, you go from your spool of thread across and you go, it goes around either a knob or into a crack in the machine and then it goes through the little arm that crack or knob is holding that top thread snugly. So that by the time the needle gets to the bobbin, 
to pick up the bobbin thread, which is also being held snugly. They are pulling against one another in opposite directions with equal intensity. That's what tension is, right? So when you pull the fabric out from under the throat plate, under the presser foot, and the top looks great, but the underneath is just as thread everywhere, what's happening is that the bobbin tension is functioning well, but the upper tension is not. Probably not because you have it set to the wrong level of tension, but rather that the thread isn't even integrated into the tension mechanism to start with. Your tension mechanism on your sewing machine serves to regulate how much thread goes from the needle to uh, goes to the needle from the spool, right? If the tension is set low, lots and lots of thread gets pulled to the needle by the bobbin thread. If it's set high, very little thread is getting to the needle. You can feel it pulling on the fabric sometimes. If you thread your sewing machine where the top thread is one color and the bobbin thread is a different color and your tension settings are correct, you will not be able to tell that it's two different colors of thread. But if you crank up the upper tension, then you will look at the the stitches. And so let's say my top thread is blue and my bottom thread is red and I crank the tension really high, which you can do as an experiment just for kicks you'll see um, a red stitch from the top and then pink a little bit of blue from the bobbin. Red stitch from the top, pink, and a little blue from the bobbin. Um, And so when you see this giant hairball of thread underneath your sewing, it is tempting to think, oh, okay, so what I need to do is increase my tension and crank it up, right? Let's take it to 11. But adjusting the tension settings won't actually fix the problem because the thread isn't, it doesn't need to be held more tightly because it isn't actually in the tension mechanism, yeah? Sometimes as we take the thread from the spool through that tension mechanism, either around the knob or through that little crack in the front of the machine, it just like bails, it just jumps ship and it's not in there anymore. So picture it like uh, two bowls where the bottom of the bowls are facing each other. Imagine that those are the discs inside your machine and the thread is being squeezed between those discs. That's kind of a picture of how your tension mechanism works. But if the thread isn't between the discs, you can squeeze them tighter or open them up looser and it will never make a difference in your stitches because they aren't in between the discs, right? So adjusting your tension settings isn't going to fix the problem because the thread isn't there. In order for your tension to be set accurately, the thread has to be running through the mechanism properly. The solution, and this is one of the things that I love. I love sharing this with people because it's not, it's so easy. (laughs) Uh, The solution is turn it off and turn it back on, y'all, but not literally. Um, Unthread your machine and then rethread it from scratch. That's, That's the answer is if the thread is not inside your tension mechanism, we're gonna take it all the way off and then we're gonna put it all the way back on. You don't have to pull up your bobbin thread again because the bobbin thread is already above the throat plate at that point. You just have to rethread the machine and then the problem is solved. Number two, here's another question I get about sewing machines all the time. Why are there all these extra threads coming out of my needle after I finish sewing a seam, right? All right, so let's say you are finished sewing a seam, a line of stitching. You raise your presser foot, you pull your work to the side, but 
instead of two threads coming out, a thread from the needle and a thread from the throat plate from the bobbin, there are like a bunch of threads, like four or six threads. There are all these threads. And somehow they're all attached. Like, why are they all coming out of the sewing machine? And I've watched a lot of students um, pull that out and they're like, um, I don't know why these are here. Like, <laughs> we're all kind of confused. There are all these extra threads. And, and you trim it close to the work and you sort of like pull at it coming out of the throat plate and a piece of thread comes out and you're like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's okay. Those threads, the extras, not the one from the needle, not the one from the bobbin, but the extra threads are actually an unfinished stitch. They're there because your sewing machine needle isn't at the highest position. When you leave the needle partway down, like you've, you've stitched and you raise the needle up, but it's not all the way up. And um, the leaving it partway down, even if it looks like it's all the way up, but it's not at the highest position, means that that upper thread goes down with the needle to grab the bobbin thread to start a loop that will become the next stitch. So again, there are gifts out there, amazing gifts that show you exactly how a stitch is made by a sewing machine. Um, and, and as that needle carries down through that hole in the throat plate, it loops around the bobbin and grabs that bobbin thread to bring it up. So you can imagine it makes a stitch in your fabric and then you stop sewing and the needle is partway down. So it has started to grab that thread and bring it back up, but it didn't finish. So when you pull your work out to the side, that unfinished stitch comes with it, which means when you trim your threads close to the work, the leftover half stitch is like hanging out of your throat plate, just like dangling. So it looks like there's all this extra thread there. It's really an unfinished stitch. So solution, as you complete each seam and remove your work, check that your needle has completed its upward motion and it's just beginning to move back down and then leave it there. Leave it in the highest position as you remove the work and you won't get all those extra threads, right? Um, if you already have a bunch of threads and you need to like move on, you're done, turn the hand wheel a quarter turn, you will watch that loop resolve itself and the problem will go away. So number three, and this is the last of these three in this episode, um, the three sewing machine questions that I get asked the most. Why is my machine making a weird popping sound as I sew? I get this one a lot. Um, and I love it because this is a question that I learned the answer to by trial and error because it's a question that I had over and over again and could not, I, I don't know that I even knew how to phrase it. Like my machine kept going every time I sewed, it would make this weird sound. And I was like, well, where's that coming from? I don't know where that's coming from. Almost like, um, imagine it, I don't know if you've ever gotten a nail in your tire or a screw. I myself seem to be like a magnet for running over objects in the road um, and have had many, 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 many foreign objects in my tires. Um, and if that's ever happened to you, or if you've had a flat, but definitely if you've had like a screw or a nail in your tire, um, as you're driving, you'll hear, like you can actually hear it hitting the road. Um, and your machine sometimes will make that sound. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to ask that question. Where do I go to, um, why is my machine making a sound? I mean, <laughs> how do you even ask that question? And I didn't have any experts in my life 
of whom I could ask advice that where I knew what words to use. So this is one of my favorite sewing machine questions because it's one where I where I'm like, okay, I know this one because I I had to figure it out on my own. All right, when your machine, as your sewing goes with each set with each stitch. What you're actually hearing is the sound of a dull needle punching its way through your fabric, like a fist going through a brick wall. True story. I want you to picture a sewing machine needle in your head. There is a shank. That's the top part of the needle that fits into the sewing machine. It is flat on one side and rounded on the other. That shank narrows right into a shaft that has a groove in one side and then tapers at last to a point that holds the eye. Yeah? Um, There's usually a divot just above the point where the eye is. It's actually, it has a name, it's called the scarf. The little part of the needle that gets narrowest before it gets to the point, which is the pointiest. Sharp needles pierce fabric. So if you are sewing with like a standard size 12 sharp, quote unquote, when the needle is called a sharp, it's because that point comes to a tippity tip and it is designed to pierce the fabric. If you are sewing with woven fabric, which is to say like a cotton or a linen or a rayon, woven fabrics get pierced by sharp needles. You might also sew with a ballpoint needle. Those are used for knit fabrics. So um, if you've ever seen Legally Blonde, there's a wonderful scene at the beginning of Legally Blonde where she's in a boutique and she's looking at a dress and she walks over to the sales girl who is trying to sell her on last year's fashions, right? But at full price. And she goes, oh, and is it done with a half loop top stitch on the hem? And oh, yes, of course. She goes, "Mm, half loop top stitch would snag the fabric. With With a knit fabric, a sharp needle, as it goes through the knitted fiber, would grab the knitted fiber and pull it through and leave a snag on it, literally. So for knits, ponty knits or jersey or interlock, we use a ballpoint needle where that sharp point is dulled a little bit so that it actually pushes the knitted fibers apart rather than punching or piercing through them. Now, If you imagine using a ballpoint needle on a woven fabric, it has a harder time piercing because it isn't as sharp. If your sharp needle dulls at the tip, it has to force its way through brutally. It can damage the fabric. It's definitely going to make a noise. Um, same thing, similar idea, if there's a burr on it, so imagine you've got that shank, the fatty part that goes into the machine, and then you've got the shaft, the skinnier part that goes down to the point. If there is a burr on it, like a, a point, a, a section of the needle that's damaged or rough or scraped or nicked, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to grab that fabric on the way through, and it's going to cause damage. New needles, a new sharp needle doesn't make a popping sound, dear ones. It does not. By the time your sharp needle makes a popping sound as it goes through the fabric, it's been dull for a minute. So here's the solution. Change your sewing machine needle, right? And it sounds, I realize it sounds sort of simplistic, but 
I wouldn't have figured that out on my own. I mean, I did figure it out on my own, but I wouldn't have even known whom to ask to find the answer to that. I just had to like work through, work through, work through a bunch of trial and error in order to get there. So I feel delighted anytime anybody asks me this question. I'm like, I know the answer. Change your sewing machine needle. Um, the rule of thumb that I have read for changing your sewing machine needle is every eight to 10 hours of sewing time. And of course, the joke that I've made for a long time is I don't keep a chess clock next to my sewing. I mean, you could. I don't know. Chess is kind of making a comeback. Now that everybody's watched Queen's Gambit, um, you could keep a chess clock next to your sewing machine. I don't usually do that. Um, Every eight to 10 hours of sewing time. But the easier rule of thumb that I recommend is that you change your needle for every new major sewing project. Every garment gets a new needle. Every quilt gets a new needle for patchwork and a new needle for quilting. It seems like it's extravagant. I appreciate that when you buy them in those little packages of like six needles. Um, it, it can seem extravagant. That's a bug and a quarter, right? Like I get it. Uh, my time satisfaction and sewing enjoyment is worth more than a buck and a quarter. Um, you could get away with a new needle every two or three smaller projects, but man, I, I cannot encourage you enough. Um, swap out your needle do it today. Why not? Find out. It really does feel that. It's like changing toothbrushes. It does feel that way. And um, where you get you get a new toothbrush and you think, I mean, the other one's not that old. And then you get the new one. You think, oh, this is amazing. It feels like that. Um, so it sounds, it sounds both extravagant and simplistic to just tell you to change your needle, but that really is the answer. It really is. Anytime you're sewing, you're going to run into questions, questions that maybe you don't even know how to put into words in order to ask them. These are the three most common sewing machine questions that I get, and it has been a delight to share with you the solutions. If you have an alternate question, something about your sewing machine that comes up frequently and you would like an answer, or if you have an alternate solution for any of these sewing machine questions that I have shared, I hope that you will leave a comment on the podcast and share that with us. Thanks so much for listening. Have fun sewing. This episode of the Whipstitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. The League of Dressmakers is an online video sewing club complete with a library of 250 plus sewing videos, PDF downloads, exclusive patterns, and community to help you be fearless in your sewing. You can find us at League of Dressmakers. That's L E A G U E of Dressmakers.com. 